Now that we've shut down the Patreon and we're no longer putting out new episodes over there, we wanted to put some of the old episodes out here on the free feed. But due to how old some of them are, we wanted to provide a little bit of context before each episode. So this episode was recorded on July 29th, 2021, and it is simply a Q&A from questions we received in our Facebook group. I think John and I would like to get back to this type of content, so if you have questions... Go post them in the Dropship Tribe. We'd love to have you in there. You can find that by searching Dropship Tribe on Facebook and just join the group. Let us know some questions we can answer for you and we'd be happy to answer them. Nineteen. Nineteen episodes, John. Uh, we kind of started this on a whim. I'm impressed that we made it to 19 so far. I'm kind of wondering where we go from here. Yeah. Well, it's been fun in any case. Uh, and you're right. We did uh, sort of start it on a whim, uh, you know, on one of our weekly chats. And uh, yeah, it's carried along pretty well, I think, so far. I get a lot of private feedback of people who are like, you're really not holding anything back over there. Like, <laughs> you guys are really laying it on. And so... I think that's what we tried to do of just like, I don't know why, why hold anything back? I don't know. Uh, I like what we're doing over here. I think it's fun, but 19, um, anytime you can get past, I think podcasts have like a, um, I don't want to call it LD 50, but like they have like a, a life of like eight, right? And if you, if you don't mm. get to eight, you're done forever, uh, which is like the majority of podcasts. <laughs> and if you get past right. eight, that's a good sign. And I, th- I think the next one's 50. Um, so it's funny, like we're at 19, my own podcast, I'm like at like 47 and I've taken like a month off. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm right at that point uh, of like, yeah. uh, <laughs> you to do three more and it's over, but 19 yeah, a lot for this. Uh, thanks everyone for being here for, for all of these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, it's been fun and thanks everybody for, for your ongoing input, uh, feedback, all that sort of thing. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, we've been good. It'll be interesting to see, uh, see where we take it. If you guys have ideas, let us know. John and I were literally talking before the show of like, what, what should we do here? Um, I've got quite a few ideas, as I normally do. Uh, you know, nine out of ten of them are fantastic ideas, I'm sure. Uh, there's probably one bad one in there, but I've got a lot of ideas. So I'm curious what you guys think. Where, 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 where would you like this to go? You know, how can we reach more people? How can we provide more value? That's that's our real goal of, you know, the e-commerce changed my life. I, I, I'm thankful for the opportunity to come in with John on Dropship Breakthrough, and I want to change as many people's lives as I can. And um, give them freedom and sovereignty that that e-commerce has afforded me indeed indeed yeah and things change over time don't they i mean you know uh sort of yeah our stuff you know like in business you're constantly evolving so yeah i'm interested to see where we go with this podcasting bit together i don't think there's any notion that we're going to stop but uh yeah there's certainly other things changing around it so It'd be interesting yeah it'd be great to get feedback for sure. well, let us know what you think uh right now we asked you for questions and we only got a few but we're going to answer them all today um let's jump right in actually uh yeah i believe it's pronounced wahad so i've been i've i've consulted with with wad before he spells it wahad wahad wad um and i got confirmation the other day because i was like i, I want to make sure i say this right uh it's wahad uh wahad asks when it comes to seo how much do you take into consideration the big names who seem to dominate the first page like shields dick sporting goods or do you not consider them as competitors 
I guess in other niches, it would be something like Home Depot. If you search any sort of tools, for example, Home Depot, Harbor Freight, and the likes dominate the first page. In my situation, they kind of dominate paid Google ads as well. Uh, and so for some context, I think he's you know researching a new business to start and mm. researching niches and, and finding the likes of Shields and Dick Sporting Goods. Uh, you know, Shields might be a Midwest thing. I don't know if you see that across the country, uh, but certainly I know Wahad's in the Midwest as well. Um, and then, you know, Home Depot, certainly Home Depot or Menards if you're in the Midwest mm. or Lowe's, those sort of things pop up for, for home goods. Um, mm. I haven't I actually haven't heard of Harbor Freight, but what do you think, John? I, I know I have my own opinion here that's a very short answer, so let's let's hear yours first. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends what perspective you're looking at. Like in, in Wahad's question, he's talking about SEO, but also mentions paid Google ads as well. In terms of the general notion of whether you count them as competitors or not, um, yeah, my answer is like if, if we're going back to talking about like market research, niche research, that sort of thing, I don't count them as... I don't tend to count them as great a competition as I will other sites that are much more closely aligned to what I'm trying to do. So I usually see my most direct competitors as being other market specific or, or niche sites or authority sites or when, you know, whatever you want to term that um, because, and the reason I think that way is because I know that I'm going to like those big, sell everything type businesses. I mean, you lump, kind of lump eBay and Amazon into this as well, right? I mean, they sell a lot of stuff. They're not focused on selling anything in particular. Like they don't put a ton of marketing behind any one product or, or a category of products or anything like that. And nothing nothing in their offer is, is focused on your customer's central interest in as far as your business is concerned or your, their passion, whatever it is. And so... I, I've always felt that if I do a great job of serving my customers, like it's kind of a no-brainer for the customer between do I buy from this guy, John, or one of these really broad kind of, you know, sell everything type businesses. So like I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see Amazon or something as a direct competitor or, or Home Depot, for example, if it was Home Depot as the example. Uh, I don't know some of those other ones, so I won't comment on them as I'm not in the US, but um when it comes to seo and paid ads though i guess it's in a sense there they are competitors i mean if they're taking up a position on the page then you have to see them as some form of competition because you want to be in the position they're sitting in now are they easy competition to overcome or not in that circumstance well that that's a different question but technically in that respect they they are competition for a search result yes yeah, I think if you strictly look SEO, the answer is yes. If you look any in any way, other shape or form, it's it's no. But like, look, it, it, it's a good point, right? So I'm just looking up uh, products you might find at these stores. I just typed in Fire Pit. Uh, you get Home Depot's collection page, HGTV, CNET, a lot of best pages from these big conglomerates. Greenhouse, the same sort of thing, right? Uh, Home yep. Depot, HGTV, Greenhouse, Megastore, Wayfair, Chicken Coop, same sort of thing. Tractor Supply, Wayfair. Um, which I noticed like doing some research earlier, uh, Wayfair, they, they write for these generic collections, generic title, like chicken coops you'll love in 2021. Like that is their headline for every single collection they have. I, I thought that was interesting. Yep. Um, 
their yep. uh, their metas are the same too, which is weird. Uh, anyway, uh, so if you're thinking of like, look, the holy grail of this, right? Like, let's say you sold chicken coops. The holy grail of chicken coops is you rank number one for your chicken coop collection, and you rank number two for your seven best chicken coops of 2021 article. Uh, that's the holy grail of of traffic in your niche. It's, of course, it's top of the funnel, uh, and you have to take people from there, but. That's that's where I would think of it in SEO. Like, all right, in three years, am I going to be able to rank number one and number two for this keyword? Because it's not going to happen out of the gates. You're never going to beat Amazon's authority out of the gates. You're not going to be Home Depot's authority out of the gates. But can you beat that authority out of the gates? And so I would just you know, pull them into a, a, a link checker tool. How many links are actually going back to this page versus how much does the domain authority of just Home Depot have that they're ranking for everything? And so um, from an SEO perspective, Man, it's tough. Like, I think there's some things that you may never have a chance to get caught up to just based on the popularity of that product and the players that are you're up against uh, versus, you know, Chicken Coops is a good example. I think you could get up there for Chicken Coops pretty easily, uh, and I think you'd have a little harder time for fire pits, per se. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to SEO, you know, I guess the, their pages are there and – at least based on you know research that I've ever done, they, they rank their pages not because the page that they're ranking itself is good or has any particular authority as such. Um, their pages rank because their domain has a lot of authority and that blows into a lot of their pages, right? So you, you can, you're never going to hit the same domain authority as one of like root domain authority is one of those big boys. But you can easily outdo their page authority for individual pages, right? Because usually when you look at like a page on Amazon, you know, a given page on Amazon or something like that, it's got like zero links pointing to it often. Some products products might be different if they're a product that's hot and a lot of people have been linking to it or something like that. But tons of pages from these big players have zero links um, and no direct page authority as such. It's all inferred from their root domain. So you can go back the other way and build pages that have a ton of authority, even though your root domain may not have so much. And you can still perform well in that circumstance a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time you can catch those boys. But that's going to be a combination of doing the right stuff on your page, having a great internal linking structure, you know, having good content, ticking all those SEO boxes that me and Ben have talked about, you know, at length on this podcast and then getting you know, a, a good number of high quality external links pointing into that page as well from other websites. And that's certainly going to give you a pretty damn good shot at outranking some of those big players. Yeah, I think you have to look at what are you trying to rank for? I think oftentimes people think I'm going to be able to rank a product page. The product page is yeah. going to be one of the more difficult things you have to yeah, rank on totally. your on, on your Like it's going to be very hard to beat Amazon's authority. Very hard. Um, yeah. It's going to be very hard to beat some other websites authority, but you can beat that. And again, the more obscure products you choose, the easier it's going to be to actually rank a product page. Typically you'll probably see your product page ranks for some long tail keyword. Like uh, just recently I saw somebody selling winches uh, and they ranked for like, I, I don't even know what it, I'm, I'm going to make up this number, but like 10,000 pound winch or something like that. So they weren't yeah. actually ranking for the product name. They were ranking for 10,000 kilo uh, winch or whatever you guys call it over there, John, uh, your fake yeah, numbers. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> you like that? No, I'm 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 a big fan of the ten system. I'm a math guy. Come on. Um, all right. So, like, you might rank for long tail, but if you're if you're actually looking to drive some traffic to your business, I would focus more on you know number one the generic keywords, and then 
uh, again, go to answer the public. I'm, I'm here right now. I just typed in fire pits and, and like immediately there's 370 different answers here for our fire pits legal. Are fire pits safe? Can fire pits explode? Can fire pits stay outside? How to fire, how to fire pits. That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> when do fire pits go on sale? That's a great buying intent keyword that you should definitely target. Uh, best price fire pits, where to buy cheap fire pits. Uh, who sells fire pits? Like there's all of these aren't like ones you're going to go after, but I guarantee there's a plenty in here that you should go after. And these are the keywords I would be going after really map out your customer's journey. How did they get to, we'll just call it, you know, John, John's fire pits and Ben's fire pits. That's your top two brands. How the fuck did they even get to John's fire pits to know that they want John's fire pits option number two? Uh, and so most of the times people are taught to just target those bottom of the level, you know, people that are at the very bottom of the funnel but how the fuck did they get there in the first place what journey did they go on to discover they wanted to buy the brand johns and then from there they chose the number two version of the fire pit like how did they get there think about all the questions they're asking and typing into google to get there and go answer all of those questions and then just walk them right along that journey uh, and then you'll get them to your product page where you can remarket them or if they came to your product page you can remarket them with that same exact content to fill in the gaps of the information they didn't have i hope I hope that made a lot of sense right there to people. Yeah, it does. And, um, and, and the great thing about that is like, as, as you're saying, like if you, if you go back and get inside your customer's head and go for those sort of uh, those, that, that sort of approach, then you're kind of dropping off a lot of that competition from those big players, because going back to the notion that they don't focus on any one particular type of product, they're not going to be, they don't have an active strategy to answer any of those questions for people to get a, a, a great page on the results that one that Google's going to like, um, but that customers are going to like too. So if you go back up a level and get away from that sort of really uh, brand or model specific or whatever type searches, then it's a much more open playing field for you that has less competition from the big players who aren't even trying to answer those questions. You know, that's not part of their strategy to be an expert on fire pits, right? Um, so whereas you are, or I would be if I was selling fire pits. And so I need to find as a, as, as the, the, the person with the most authority in the space, you know, how am I helping people as early as possible? And that's a much less competitive space in a lot of ways. So, uh, cause it, it you, then you're just going back to only really competing with other specialist sort of focused sites like yours. Right, which is your your true and most direct competition from all perspectives. Yeah, I wouldn't focus on the the main keywords. I would focus on the long tail keywords that you actually yeah. want to score traffic for and see. You know, does Home Depot show up for that? Of course they don't, right? Maybe maybe a couple, um, but there's no customer service there. There's no one answering the phone at Home Depot. Um, and so, you know, where where can you be the all around expert here and then take people on that journey of you know like. Uh, if they if there was a fire pit store USA in like at the mall and that's where people went to learn about fire pits, that like what questions are they going to ask there? Answer all those questions. Like Home Depot's not answering those questions. They're like, we have two here. Pick which one you want, and I can bring it out to your car for you. Right? Like that's as far as that goes. So, um, be be yeah. a wealth of knowledge. And usually, if if places like Home Depot do do turn up for those sort of searches, it's just by default. Like somebody makes a question search, Google's going to chuck something on the page, right? It doesn't mean it's 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 the thing that should be there necessarily. Like Google's not going to say we have no relevant results for this search. They don't do that. They'll just pull in the next closest thing. And so even if you see like a Home Depot on that sort of 
answering those sort of questions or whatever. Um, yeah, it's not hard to come over the top of that. I hope that answers your question, Wad. Uh, as always, hit us up in the group if that didn't quite get to the point you were looking at. Um, I don't have a name, uh, last name on some of these. So uh, Chris asks, where's the best place to put those keywords that are misspelt but still have worthwhile traffic? And I think John Murphy actually gave a wonderful answer here. Oh, did he? Did he? Did he? Yeah, John said, uh, I put right in the body copy of... The page I'm trying to rank for the right keywords, commonly misspelt blank, uh, this brand or this object or whatever it is does that. Um, I, I honestly couldn't recommend a better option. Um, you know, depending how gray hat you want to be, you could, uh, you know, ha when you have images on the page, as you should have images on the page, you could, uh, instead of spelling the, the keyword the correct way, spell it the wrong way in some of your alt tags on the images, you could make, um, mm. you could just fat you know, fat thumb one of your headings and just straight up throw it on your page uh, if, if there's that much traffic. Uh, or you could build a spoof landing page around a misspelled thing and, and uh, read, you know, put enough content on there to rank for that keyword and then say, uh, you know, head over here to the correct, you know, this is commonly misspelled and we understand why it's a confusing word, blah, 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 head over here. Hey, John here with a quick break from the episode. Drop shipping and running a business in general can be a pretty lonely experience, as in you're probably unlikely to know many people in your private life who are dropshipping, who are running an e-commerce business or even an online business. It can be a lonely journey and it can be a much more successful journey if you have some sort of connection to a community of people who are doing the same thing as you. If you have a space where you can ask questions, where you can get support, and even if you haven't started a high-ticket dropshipping business yet, somewhere you can go and see other people who are doing what you're doing and, and, and kind of hang out and get a feel for how things work. Well, the good news is that you can do just that. Ben and I have a free Facebook group called The Dropship Tribe, where you can join for free uh, and hang out with other high-ticket dropshippers. It doesn't matter if you haven't started a business yet. You can still get in there. And what makes it even better is in that group, you have some access to Ben and I. So we're in there all the time, answering people's questions, sharing things that we're working on, things that we're doing at the moment in the high-ticket dropshipping space. And so not only will you get to hang out with other people who are doing high-ticket dropshipping or are interested in high-ticket dropshipping, you also get to hang out with Ben and I in that Facebook group. And so it can be a really good opportunity, not just for you to get help or uh, share your ideas, ask questions, whatever, but even if you just want to get an idea about whether high ticket dropshipping is the right thing for you to be doing. You, I mean, you've probably heard about it. You've listened to me and Ben talk about it. You might've watched our videos, uh, but if you want to get an even closer look, jump into the dropship tribe on Facebook and spend a bit of time there. See what people have been talking about, see all the questions and answers that are in there. Uh, it's been there for years now, so there's quite a bit of information in there. Get a feel for it, join the community, and use it to really help you work out where your dropship uh, journey should be heading. So once again, go onto Facebook. You can just go into the Facebook search bar and search The Dropship Tribe. You'll also find a link in the show notes and uh, hit, head in there and join that group. Well, look, I mean... I'd, I'd be looking at data to, to work out if I even need to do anything about this. So it, it depends on the misspelling, right? So a lot of misspellings Google picks up anyway. Like you, you've got to remember Google's algorithm 
actually reads better than most people now, like in terms of its comprehension and its understanding of the use of the English language, like it's university level plus intelligence, right? So uh, for most of us, Google's algorithm is actually smarter when it comes to the English language. That might feel a little bit humbling, but that's the reality. And you see this if you look at your search traffic in your Google shopping campaigns and the shopping algorithm is a significantly simpler algorithm than the Google search algorithms, which of which there are multiple. Um, and so if you look in your shopping ads and look at the search terms that come in, like in your, in any of your campaigns, you're going to see a huge amount of misspellings in there, but that are still relevant to your products, like misspellings of your brand names, misspellings of your product names, misspellings of, of the product type. Google still matches them to your products, even though it's not spelled exactly the same way. So I don't worry about it too much unless I know there's a really common misspelling and I go and do some research and I see that I'm not ranking for that term. Like I'm not getting any traffic off it at all. Then I might say, well, I need to start putting something on my pages. But like if it's a few letters wrong or something like that, Google knows it anyway. It's, it's not like going to be a, always going to be a distinctly different keyword. Like close, like, it's just variance. Variance Google picks up. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I think it depends that... how far off it is, but I think anybody that's right, it can does. go into your Google yeah. ads right now. Uh, if they still show you enough search terms, you can look in there and you'll find all the mis- you'll you'll realize how fucking dumb Americans are because they can't spell oh, yeah. shit. Oh, Australian, um, but Google, but Australians are the same. Oh, really? Like yeah. I look at Google, I look at my Google shopping traffic and I look at what people are typing in. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm glad you're buying stuff off me, but literally, are you like illiterate? Like, are that many people really that illiterate? Well, or do they just have fat fingers? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, there's some scary shit out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think where it can get a bit tricky for Google is when the misspelling involves them splitting a word into multiple parts with spaces in between. So it appears to be different words, whereas the the right, the correct way it would just be one word or, and things like that. I think when you're getting to that level of misspelling, it can get difficult for Google, but a lot of simple misspellings, like there's just a, a letter here wrong or a couple of letters in the word are wrong. Google should be picking that up is my experience. Um, and so but like I say, if you do some keyword research and you see there's a few misspellings that come up commonly and you know you're ranking for the correct spelling, but you go and look and you're not ranking for the misspelling, then maybe, yeah, maybe you need to do something about that. But I wouldn't invest a lot of time into going and finding ways that I can work every misspelling I can find into you know, my pages and my copy because I think John's example is a great way of doing that. I haven't thought of that, to be honest. Um, I've never done that. But, you know, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm a little OCD in this regard. I cannot bring myself to put to intentionally put misspellings on a page and make myself look like an idiot. I can't. I can't do it. John's, John's solution is a good one to avoid looking like an idiot. You know, like, I mean, yeah. Anyway. I think, I think I've only done it once and it was on – and I don't remember the brand, but it was on a brand where the word – Here's a good example. Dropship breakthrough. Go to Google right now and type in dropship breakthrough and spell spell it the way you're supposed to spell it. Uh, the number one result is John and I's course. Dropship breakthrough spelled T H R U. Like Google gets this stuff. Um, but for this brand that we had, 
I don't remember what it was. It was a Marine something or another, but it was a brand where the word could be used two different ways. And so when it was misspelled one way, it would be Google thought it was the other thing that we totally weren't. And when it was, when it was misspelled one way, it was like the right thing. Uh, so that off way, um, we did put that in our copy on purpose, like in body copy, just spelt it wrong. Um, no one ever pointed out, no customer ever pointed it out. Um, and to be honest, I don't even know whether that even helped us rank for anything or not, because again, Google identified that keyword as something completely different and just wouldn't even give us the time of day. Are you going to Google right now? I see your eyes shifting around, John. Are you going to Google and typing in dropship breakthrough right now? <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I actually hadn't done that. And, I, and I've been waiting, right? I've been waiting for ages for somebody to pull me up on spelling breakthrough that way, because I've always said, and I, I say it, I say it in, in our program as well, it's when you're naming your business, don't do the the late 90s thing where for some reason it was cool to misspell words like candy with a K and shit like that, right? Cool candy yeah. with both Ks on either word. I say don't do that. I am aware, however, that dropship breakthrough is misspelled and there was actually a very good reason for that. And I can't remember what that was anymore. Because people can't spell through? No, I actually I, I own the domain for dropship breakthrough spelt correctly as well. And I think it re, maybe it redirects to to the current spelling. Now there was a very good reason at the time when I when I when I went with that. Um and I just loved the name so much that I couldn't uh I'm listening, John. What is the great reason that you chose? I can't I can't remember now that I'm sitting here going, I originally thought that the domain spelt the right way was not available, but I just looked in my GoDaddy account and I do own it. Um, so it might have been um uh, it, there's a there's a reason. It's gonna come back to me. It's gonna come back to me. I, I literally yeah, can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean that's a good example. I mean, all DTC companies now nowadays are like uh, and SAS, you just take out like the vowels, right? Uh, and I'm totally against it. Like, why why spell something? I, Michael Saylor said this on a podcast once of like, he owns like hope.com, which he believes Bitcoin is hope. Um, and he's like, why would I want to own hope.com or should I own just hpe.com? Or, you know what I mean? And he's like, why would I not want to own the actual domain? Um, all these people who are spelling their shit wrong and then going on PR blitzes and telling people to go to a site and then they have to spell it out every fucking time and no one's listening no one's writing that down and so uh, i'm i'm of the same opinion and i've i you know just just uh to be transparent to everyone on here i gave john shit about it the moment he told me so uh i feel like I, 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 yeah i was like what are you doing i don't even remember that, that wrong. <laughs> well like i say uh, you put the right name in i own the domain anyway so i can just redirect it back to our uh, if i haven't already redirect it back to our, our normal domain but uh yep yeah, uh, if anybody wants redirected good um i thought i did that but if you go to google again <laughs> so it, if you search dropship breakthrough spelled the right way it says including results for dropship breakthrough spelled the wrong way and we are number one um i think we're gonna need to put out some content that also ranks for this keyword john otherwise like if you go look at everything else that also ranks for that it's just like cnbc.com dropshippers middlemen sell cheap products on social media and it's like just garbage articles on on garbage drop shipping and uh yeah we might have to put out some content here yeah totally totally actually don't john murphy writes for forbes or something doesn't he john murphy hit us up buddy let's let's get a forbes article about john and i we can get we can do some guru poses for pictures if you want well, john's even got his own blog didn't you know that he's got I, a little blog going I, 
that he's that he's putting some con- some drop shipping content on. Yeah, I talked to him about uh, like he's posting an entrepreneur in Forbes and uh, and the, yeah, like they only own the rights to it for a short period of time or something like that, and he needed a place to house it, so he, he put he was putting on his own blog. I'm, I guess I don't even know too much. Maybe John should reach out in the Facebook group. John, I know you're <laughs> listening, buddy. Put put your uh, throw your links in the Facebook group. Yeah, cool. So that's uh, yeah, good question. Knock that one off. And if anybody wants to give me shit about that name, feel free. I don't mind. There's <laughs> no, I did have a reason. <laughs> All right. Next question up was actually from John Murphy. Uh, he has a question that hopefully is not too technical for our discussion. I don't think it is. Um, I've been analyzing my CWV scores, which are the new. Um, the new Google scores that are counting in for our SEO these days um, uh, on and on mobile, I perform poorly for a cumulative layout shift. So cumulative layout shift is, of course, um, <clears throat> references like how your page mo- elements of your page move while your page is loading. Um, so do, like, for example, if you've been to a website and while it's loading, you know, bits of it like the the text or the images jump around on the screen. That's cumulative layout shift. And Google says that it doesn't like that anymore. And it would prefer pages that have very minimal cumulative layout shift because it believes that is a better user experience. So John's saying he performs poorly. Um, you, you can check your performance on this by using Google PageSpeed Insights um, is where you'll see your score for that. Uh, I would say that most people at this point are performing poorly, as is usually the case when Google introduces something new. Uh, The issue is related mainly to my images not having a predefined height and width. I'm wondering how on earth I manage to upload images without sizes and is there an easy fix for that? Yeah, I I saw you ask this uh, in Tech Nasty's group today. and Tech Nasty had the same response I would give you. Uh, this is not your problem. This is Google's problem. Uh, that I, I, I know, I believe Tech Nasty, Kurt Elser, I, by the way, uh, Ezra calls him Tech Nasty, so I have no idea why. It, uh, but it sticks with me with Tech Nasty. And so I believe he made your site for you. It, this is John Murphy asking this, right? It is, yes, John Murphy, sorry. Yeah, yep. I believe he made the site for you. So if, if anybody's going to be able to help you with the 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 images being static i actually think it's going to slow your site down to to change these from dynamically loaded uh to like a static size it's actually going to slow you down uh i think kurt was doing you a solid to make your site faster um as as he should do and now or your theme is doing it one of the two and now google has a problem with that uh look this core web vitals thing is um a nightmare for lack of better words uh it's very hard to determine what google actually wants um, uh, I wonder if I can find the the link. Steve Chu did a, an amazing blog post on this. He's not a Shopify guy, so he explains it a little bit different than what you would need to do for Shopify. But um, he had a really great article on this, and there's no way I could iterate what he was trying to say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look for it right now, John. I'll get the link and put it in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, yeah, cool. Look, uh, and and I think it, I think it's important to say this um, with this CWV stuff. I would not be investing a ton of time and effort into this yet, right? In, in the first place, regardless of whether PageSpeed Insights says you have a problem or not, it's too early, right? So yes, Google forecasted they were going to put this in. 
Yes, it's in. Yes, it may be having some effect on search rankings or not. But the reality is it's, these things are still in a mix of a whole bunch of other stuff, right? And uh, like how important are they? Right. So, I mean, you, you've got, you've always, with a lot of these SEO things, you've always got that are on the technical side as well, right? You've really got to balance them with like other things, like your actual customer experience and how your site works. So like Ben says, having images that, you know, uh, are not sort of predefined and, and can load better, you know, for the customer, based on what device they're using, for example, and that sort of thing, uh, that might outweigh the benefit of making Google happy if, in fact, this isn't something that's going to significantly affect your rankings, right? So, um, you know, it, it's, like the, it's like the page speed stuff. Like everybody got all, you know, barred up about page speed a while back but and, and carried on like it was the most important thing in SEO. You have, have to have sites that load super fast, and all of this sort of stuff. But if you read Google's own search documentation, it clearly says that that's not the case, that Google still prefers high quality content over page speed. Like, as in, they specifically say, if your site has higher quality content, but is a little slower than other sites with lower quality content, you should still in most cases outrank them. So my take on this CWV stuff is if you have some easy fixes you can make that you feel might impact this for example if you're running an app on the front end of your shopify site that loads like a dog and pushes everything around while it's loading take it off that's easy right but you know do you need to recode your entire site to make small little improvements for this stuff which is going to cost you a ton it's going to take up time it might impact your experience and your conversion rate for customers no it's not worth it i don't think it's worth it i, don't, I believe you should ignore that right? Um, because I don't think the, the payoff's going to be there. Like getting good CWV scores is not going to rocket you to the top of the search rankings. Like it's literally not. So my take is at this point, don't worry about it anyway. Like there's no evidence to point out that this is, gonna, that this is actually a major problem for people having low scores in some of these areas at this point in time. There's no evidence. As with any Google update, it takes months and months for some really smart SEO people to test shit, work it out, and for everyone else to know because Google's never going to give you any hard and fast rules to say this is how you have a good cumulative layout shift score and this is what you shouldn't do. But that's not that's never going to happen. You're never going to know. So focus, just focus on giving your customer the best experience. And you know, as as it always has, if you've got great content. You've got great links. Your site will always rank. I don't see how that's ever going to change. So that's my take. If for that. reference, like what am I personally doing for this stuff, right? Like um, it's interesting to, to to look in Search Console and see what's there. Uh, I think um, Leighton and I have identified a couple things that like based on what I'm reading, if we shift where they are in like your theme.liquid, just basically telling your theme, hey, load this first before you load this it seems to be satisfying Google in some ways. At least that's what I'm, I'm reading from others. But, uh, you know, I'm in the same boat. Let's let's see how this shakes out. Uh, do I have anything that's, like, pressing? Like, uh, you know, 
I don't think so. I haven't seen it identify anything where I'm like, oh, I probably should fix it. I never thought of that. Um, but for now, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much. I think a lot of people are making a big deal out of something that's perhaps not that big a deal. Uh, but I will, I'll, again, I'll link to that uh, article from Steve Chu where he gives quite a few ideas here too. Yeah, this looks like a good article. I'm looking at it. But, but even looking at some of these things, I mean, some of this stuff you just can't do on Shopify anyway because of the nature of it being a hosted platform and you don't have server-side access to anything really. Um, so yeah, there's, there's uh, just looking at this list that's on here. I mean, there's there are things you can do and some of them, if you're using one theme versus another, you'll already be doing. Um, uh, some, like if you're using a crappy theme, then yeah, you're gonna have some problems here and changing your theme might fix it if nothing else. But um, like, yeah, I just, I just can't see the payoff here yet in investing any time into it. Um, and, and, and as always with anything, it's a ranking factor. So that means it's only relevant in terms of who you're trying to rank against, right? So, because that's how Google's taking into account. They're looking search term comes in. Okay, what are the sites we can rank for? it? How do they compare to each other and who gets to the top? It's not like you need to have a high, you know, uh, score to be considered awesome, sometimes you, you just have to have a better score than the other sites you're ranking against or you're trying to rank against. That's it. And that might just be five or, five or six sites that you're trying to beat on the first page of Google results. And if they're all old e-commerce sites, then they've probably got a ton of problems here too. Yeah. To be fair, so, I want to solve this, right? Again, like I'm not, I'm not ignoring this. I'm not ignoring this, but I, I, I don't know. it's not my top priority to get done either. It's, it's something I've investigated. I think... There's some good tweets from Aaron Orendorf on Twitter. If you want to, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to find that tweet, but you could dig back. You might find it yourself. Uh, dude tweets a lot, so I don't know if you'd find it, but he he put out a great video on on some of the things they were working on at Common Thread Co. Uh, and then yeah, that article from Steve. Yeah, I think it's an interesting topic, and I think it's it's worth talking about and diving into and stuff. But for me, as somebody who helps actual people who own a business and who just aren't marketing nerds grow their business. The reality is most people aren't doing the basic SEO stuff. So worrying about this shit is fucking pointless. If you have no content on your site, if you're not doing keyword research, if you're not doing any of that, I, I just say, this is like one of these things that people like to moon over a bit and it distracts them from actually doing the real work. That's it. Yeah. And in context, John is that guy. I think he's done a great job. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've sure. looked at his site. I think he's got a couple fixes he can make, but he's 95% of yeah. the way there, which is better than most people. Um, yep. And so, you know, maybe this does have that that little thing yeah. that, that changes it for sure. him. Um, but John, dude, if Tech, if Tech Nasty made your site, reach out to Tech Nasty and say, hey, uh, can you fix this? Uh, you know, what's that going to cost uh, in order to make it, you know, and, and then how much does it actually slow down my site? Do I care? Um also, like, you know, look in your search console. Did you see a drop in the last couple of months? There's been a few updates the last few months that are surrounding this and a few other things. Have you, have you seen a drop off in your rankings? If not, like, I don't know. I'm not sure how much I would care at this point if I didn't see a drop. Yeah. And even if you see a drop immediately after an update, you still have to wait a couple of months because almost every time Google has an update, a big update, they go too far and they'll introduce a, a series of smaller updates in the following months to even that out. So often sites go up a lot and then they come back down and often sites go down a bit in the first month or two after and then they creep back up again without doing anything. Um, and then sites that were really shit 
get permanently affected. That's generally the way it works with Google updates. Um, so anyway. Yeah, if you want to get deep on that stuff, John, uh, check out trafficthinktank.com. Uh, Nick Eubanks and Matthew Barbie and uh, some, some like the the SEO for HubSpot. Uh, Nick Eubanks and, and I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head, but like a great group for I don't know 119 a month or something like that. It's just all SEOs in there, uh, Slack channel. And if you want if you if you want to get geeky and get all the latest up to date mm. stuff, hop in there. I think you'll like it. I just want to jump in real quick here and say, if you've been thinking about getting started in the high-ticket dropshipping space, maybe you've been thinking about joining the Dropship Breakthrough Program, but you've got, if you're like most people, you've got some questions. You might have some things that are unresolved in your mind around whether this is the right thing for you to be doing right now, whether this is the right thing for you to be investing your time in and starting a business here. Well, You've got something that might help you. If you are in that situation, you can jump on a call with a member of our team here at Dropship Breakthrough, and might even be me or Ben, to have a chat through those questions and help to help you work out whether high-ticket dropshipping, being a member of Dropship Breakthrough, is the right thing for you to be doing right now. So all you need to do to do that is head to Dropship Breakthrough. That's one word, uh, breakthrough spelled B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U.com forward slash call. You'll find the link uh, in the show notes. Head there and that will take you to a page which has a booking calendar on it where you can find a time that works for you. It's a free half an hour call where you'll chat with a member of our team. Once again, could be me, could be Ben as well uh, about whatever you're thinking, whatever questions you have, whatever you'd, you'd like to work out so that you can then go away and determine whether this is the right thing for you to be doing. So go ahead, head to dropshipbreakthrough.com forward slash call and book your call in today. All right. Next question is from Randy Green. Thanks for the question, Randy. Uh, you did not miss the window for submitting the questions. You got in in time. Uh, so Randy has partnered with a friend that has a complimentary info product in his niche. Do we have any suggestions for promoting the course? First part of the question. Second part, blog posts. I have many on the same subject. Originally, I thought this would promote authority. Now I think it's diluting the keyword slash audience I'm trying to target. I'm trying to target the DIY audience. I have articles on how to X. X mistakes when, X easy setup for, ultimate guide to, etc. Um, so I guess the question there is, is having multiple blog posts on the same subject a problem or not, I suppose. That didn't really actually end in a question mark, but um, we can turn that into a question. So on the first part of that though, you get you got an info product, you're going to promote it to your, uh, want to promote it to your, um, or use it, to get people into your business, I guess. So you can sell them, you know. Yeah, do you know the context here, John? Like I know Randy's business and I'm, I'm not sure he wants us to out him, but uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. And uh, if you want me to pull out anything yeah, so, here, I can. Yeah, I mean, I think I know what it is as well. So, I mean, you know, Randy sells products that serve a passion that people have, um, you know, and so the products are part of the, the passion, but it's, they're not the direct bit. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, yeah, I don't know if Randy wants us to share, but an, an example would be a personal example for me. I'm, I'm a surfer, so I buy surfboards. Randy sells the surfboards. His buddy has an info product on how to surf, right? So, um, by 
by de- like people who buy the how to surf info product are likely to be interested in buying a surfboard. So if I can sell them the how to surf info product, they buy that, they get on my customer list, I can then market them about how to buy uh, like the surfboards that I sell. Uh, in reverse, if I'm partnering with the guy who has the info product, he sells the info product, we can, he can on his side share to the people who buy his info product. And if you want to buy a surfboard because you've learned how to surf now, go and head over to Ren, uh, John's surfboard site. Right, that's essentially it. Um, an info product can be a really cool way to get people in, like as a. I mean, you can use it for a for an upsell with your products. You could use it as a as as a lead magnet, sort of a way to get people at a, at a higher level who are, who are further up the funnel into your funnel, so that you can sell them your your physical products. So, um, does does that sound like I'm talking about the right thing, Ben? <laughs> I, I honestly don't like based on what he wrote here like I think I think I know what Randy sells uh, and then the next part where he talks about like I have many on the same subject originally I thought this would promote authority now I think it's diluting the audience I'm trying to I'm, I'm a little confused on that and then he says I'm trying to target the DIY audience so that has me questioning do I actually know what Randy sells here uh, Randy if you're open to it uh, send us all the details like I'm happy to sit here and riff on this with John of like here's how I would do it. like understanding the actual uh, idea I think would help us give you more tangible ideas but as far as like um, partnering with your friend to sell the sell the info product if it's John's scenario of like you sell surfboards and he sells how to surf if it's if he's before you in the customer journey uh, or they need to buy a surfboard and then they like I would assume they buy a surfboard and then they learn how to surf you wouldn't learn how to surf without a surfboard so that makes sense as an upsell right uh, you would sell that after you uh, sell them a product. I would hit that with a uh, an upsell in the cart. I would hit that with a one-click upsell after the cart. And if they don't buy that, I would hit them with emails after the sale of like, hey, hey buy this. Because in an info product, you're going to JV on that, uh, which means joint venture. And you're probably going to get 50% margins on that info product. Uh, and so I would work together, number one, to get those margins. And then number two, like define where this is in your customer journey. Is this before hmm. they buy your product yeah. or is it after they buy your product uh, and then sell it accordingly. If it's before, I, I don't even know if I would sell it if it was before, if I'm honest. Um, I would partner with him to get my marketing information inside of his course uh, so that if he sells it, then they're coming back over to me. If it's after, um, I would partner with them at a 50-50 basis um, and I would see how well it sells. If it sells really well, I would start questioning, is this the only subject matter expert that exists in this topic or can I go pay somebody to make this course for me and then I own all the rights to it, right? Uh, and then it becomes an asset for your business. Uh, those are my thoughts. And again, without knowing the actual, like what you're exactly talking about here, it's hard to give you tangible, concrete examples. Yeah. And, and Mark is very different on both ends, but like, yeah, I mean, work out when people should get the course. Is it before or after you purchase? If it's after they've purchased your product and you just want to sell it to them to make a bit of extra money or like, like Ben says, through some sort of joint venture arrangement. And it's pretty easy. You email people about it, retargeting ads. That's literally all you need to do on your end if, it's, if, it, if you want to sell it to them after they buy your product. If you're hoping to use the info product as a way to lead people to your products later and you want to do some marketing to promote that, well, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do to promote a, to promote a course or an info product. I mean, obviously you can run ads to a landing page for that course. And, you know, uh, it's a different style of advertising, I guess, to, um, 
to selling physical products. So we're going into a vastly different realm there. But I mean, you can use all the channels that you know to use. You could run social media ads, you can run paid search ads, you know, you can run ads on YouTube, you know, you're just running ads, you're sending to people to a sales page where they learn about the benefits of taking the program and you show them some, you know, what they're going to learn and all that sort of thing. And based on that, they buy it. So, I mean, it's not necessarily like a, like some super amazing, like secret to doing it, but selling a digital product is different to selling a physical product. I, I would say that. Um, other things you can do as well is, I mean, obviously there, there's tons of people out there who have like uh, niche specific email lists and things like that, who you can joint venture with as Ben's talking about, or have an affiliate relationship with. They have big lists of people who are in your target market and they're looking for products to promote to those lists. So there's, you know, big communities of those sort of people online. If you wanted to get your info product pumped out to a lot of people um, and you're willing to give up a, a portion of, of the profit on that, then finding those people with those lists is a great way to do it quickly as well. Yeah, I would challenge you again. I think I, think I have this right in my head. So I'm going to use completely other examples that'll confuse you <laughs> yeah. more than direct you but uh you sell a shovel right i'm a big fan of not selling gold i'm sell the picks and shovels because there's always going to be people buying gold or trying to mine gold and you have all the things that help them get there right and so in yours i i think you could work on a sponsorship thing uh, as far as info like there's going to be there's a ton of varieties of gold uh, in your space and all of those varieties of gold would like to access your audience. There is uh, vacations to go, uh, you know, mine for gold across the country. Um, you should be partnering with those people to, to send them traffic of people who are clearly qualified. Um, you know, this all depends on how much traffic you actually have, how many customers you have, how big your list is. Uh, but if you can congregate people who are into mining gold, um, then you can go, you know, sell them affiliate and, and sponsorships to the people who put on excursions for gold or, or mining trips or whatever you want to call it. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, but like that, you know, not to, not to lead you down a different path, but that's where my head goes for your business. This is why we can't keep secrets anymore. I feel like we should just out everyone. <laughs> no, like with their permission, of course, but like, it's so hard to talk about this stuff. And, it, uh, you know, back when I, I, I went on a little Amazon FBA journey, uh, I don't know, 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. And it was the same thing. Like, you know, there's, uh, uh, the amazing seller talking about garlic presses over and over and over and over again, because there's no other examples to use. He can't use his own examples. Uh, jungle scout ended up like coming out with jungle sticks, which was a terrible product, but like that was their example because no one wanted to talk about their products. Like, uh, I'm tired of this like competition mindset. There is no fucking competition out there. Every literally everything is a blue ocean. There's no possible way you could reach every customer, and there's no possible way like somebody's going to start up and take your sales. There's there's very 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 few sharks in this world, and so like the odds of somebody coming along and taking it um, is, is 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 it's like winning the Powerball. So it, I don't I don't know, and we're all going to get so much more help by being open. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, John. Do you have a better way of explaining like? the value in you actually opening up about your business versus not opening up about your business? Yeah, look, I think it's, look, it, it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, I, I agree with, with your concept. And, and I, I mean, earlier in my experience, I was like that. I think now I have much more of an abundance type mindset 
with that um and just and, to be fair randy i'm not throwing shade on you uh, specifically no, no. it just came to my mind yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh like I, I get it i mean they're, they're, i think there are real problems to everybody trying to operate in their own little secret world i mean your your ability to learn from in a, in a lot of ways is is very reduced if if you're not prepared if you can't talk openly about what your business is and that sort of thing um uh, I, I agree with Ben. I mean, if, if you're somebody who's doing the right things in terms of building your business and growing it and all that sort of thing, I mean, the, the chance that somebody is going to hear what you're talking about and go, I'm going to copy that guy. Um, yeah, they might do it, but the likelihood that they're going to do do a bit, do it better than you is, is very small, right? Um, they also got to catch you. Yeah, well, that's it. That's what I mean. And if you're doing the right things and like as in you're not just focusing on google shopping ads they're like and you and you're active like people can't catch you um so that's well i mean i'd probably worry about it a bit less um and, and yeah i mean it, it's it makes it hard i mean yeah i i don't know why you know like i i'd probably also like to see more people who are in the same niche partnering together to be honest um, I think there's a lot of people struggling away with sites that are doing pretty much the same thing that if they actually just put their resources together and work together, they'd have a, you know, a much bigger output than they have operating all off in their little separate businesses that are essentially trying to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking lonely. Entrepreneurship's lonely anyway. So why make it even more lonely by not telling anyone what you're doing? Like it only opens up doors by you saying what you do. And like somebody would be like, Oh, I know somebody who could use that. Or like, it, I promise you it's, it's worth the value in the end. And then just to your point, John, the business I just acquired from one of my clients. Um, I know somebody personally who's also in that niche and i reached out to him that day and just let him know what was going on and and kudos to him he had the same attitude as me and was just like hey I, you know i could use your helps with with x um and if you need anything i'm here to answer questions and he's already been helpful answering a couple of questions involving like how do i handle some of the things that are going on in this uh this niche and so you know i'm not going to name him but shout out to you i know you're listening uh, i appreciate you man like being able to have that mindset is only going to lead to great things and um i'm not sure how we exactly truly like help each other like explode but i know it's going to be a beneficial relationship for for us to be able to bounce ideas off of each other because again there's no possible way we could reach everybody in this industry i'm not stealing sales from you he's not stealing sales from me that's just not, it's not how it works yeah yeah and i mean i, I know where i like all of all of this sort of the sense of secrecy i mean it, it does all come from you know um where most people have traditionally learned about this stuff um and that's the way it's always been promoted like but literally like honestly like a lot of like a lot of people are sitting there thinking i'm sitting on a really great idea that nobody else has had as well it's like dude i cannot remember the last time i heard somebody tell me what they're selling in a high ticket dropshipping site and i thought oh my god i've never thought of that before like literally i can't like i've spoken to I don't know, probably more than 500 people now who have one of these starting one, have one of these businesses at some point. Your, your shit's not secret. You're not doing anything that I can't think of right now, like literally, or, or anybody else for that matter. Like there's no secrets either. Like, you know, 
Everybody, I think everybody likes to think that they're doing something and they're worried that if they talk about it, then everybody's going to jump in there and pile in there. But everybody's thought of your idea already, you know? So why bother? <laughs> yeah, I, I've only been surprised twice, actually. And it's by the same guy, my employee, just my buddy who's never done this <laughs> stuff. And he came up with two ideas that I've never heard of. And I was like, holy crap. But otherwise, I've heard of literally everything. Um and I don't know, I just, I just, again, there's 350 million people in America. Um, your market is enormous and you have less than 1% of it. I promise you. Um, maybe you have more, if you're one of the big dogs, listen to this, maybe you have more. Certainly, uh, I was part of a business where we maybe had, maybe, maybe had 10, 15% of the market. Um, and there was still, there was room for everybody, right? Like we had competitors, we had a competitor to try to sell to us cause they, they literally, you know, I, I ranted about this on the podcast before. They tried to come after Michael Coughlin tried to copy everything we were doing, and it didn't work out. Shocking. Uh, and so, like, um, there's room for everyone. Like, like I, I don't know. I, I'm not worried about competition in the slightest. No. No. And then maybe we hopefully we'll be able to change that over time so we can all come to a more enlightened space. Well, we're in a weird uh, position too, right? Now that we are, are selling a course on this stuff, like, how careful do we need to be? How ethical is it to have coached somebody, which I think at this point, John's coached somebody in every, every single niche, uh, to have coached someone and like, and then also, you know, you decide like, I'm going to get into this market or I'm going to purchase, like I just did purchase a business who's in a market. Like, um, I think that raises some questions. Um, but you know, I only have the same 24 hours in the day that you have, like it to, to, to think I have, like, Maybe I know a few more things. So that doesn't mean I'm going to be able to execute at a level uh, in which I'm going to somehow get better than you in the areas you're good at and and steal sales from you. I, I don't know. I don't know. This one's very confusing for me because you're right, John. In the beginning, I think I was that same person who was like not going to tell anyone and uh, needed to keep it a secret and was worried about. It. I, I think it grow you grow out of it over time for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think so. Uh, and, and the reality is, I mean, 90% of people who try this business model are lazy and don't go the distance anyway, regardless of, of you know, of what they know. So the actual number of, number of people that, you know, are, are, are genuine and, and serious and get somewhere, it's, it's, it's in, in total, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably a lot fewer than you actually think too. You know what I mean? We got one more question, John. Do we? Ah, didn't get a name on this one. No, this was a random one I picked up somewhere. Anyone have recommendations on how to leverage customer generated content? So um, things like uh, the, the video reviews, images, customer photos, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, something that I certainly encourage a lot of people to put an effort into generating because it, it's really good for your marketing and for promoting your products. Uh, so what are some of the ways that you can use that stuff? Um, obviously the obvious answer is, well, I'm going to put it on my website. You know, if I get a video review from somebody, I'm going to put it on my product page for that, for that particular product, for example. Um, and yes, you should absolutely do that, but you shouldn't just stop at putting that stuff on your website. Um, right. Which, which you absolutely should do. Um, you should feature that quite prominently on your website um, in a number of places like your homepage, you know, potentially, or your, uh, you can put it on your collection pages or your product pages. But um, I think if you, if you're getting that sort of content, it's fantastic for your marketing as well. So 
If you're getting video reviews, you absolutely should have a YouTube channel for your business, right? And you should be posting those reviews to YouTube um, with a video title such as whatever the product name is, review, right? Uh, people search that stuff on YouTube all the time. YouTube is a search engine and YouTube SEO is exceedingly simple as compared to Google SEO, as in stick keywords in your, in, your, in your video title and in your description and you're done, more or less, and put some tags on it with the same keywords. You're done, that's it. Um, those videos on YouTube will get traffic on YouTube. You gotta put the link back to the video, uh, to the product in the description. But as you know now, Google is sticking more and more stuff that is not a website search result on the main Google search results page. And one of those things is YouTube videos. So if you have a YouTube video of somebody reviewing a product that you sell, um, you can rank that not just on YouTube, but also on the main Google search results page, as well as a page on your website may also rank for that search term as well. So it gives you an opportunity to um, you know, take up more real estate that can lead back to your business on the main Google search pages as well on the search network. Um, so that's absolutely something you need to do if you've got videos, um, if you've got images, obviously, you know, and you, you've got social media accounts, post into your social media accounts, et cetera, but they're fantastic to use um, images and videos in retargeting ads, probably the other big place that I will use them, right? So people who have been looking at your product or shown interest in the product type or anything like that, one of the best retargeting ads you can run is just, you know, hear, hear what Shelly had to say about, whatever the product was targeted to an audience of people who have looked at that product and then leading them back to the product page to buy it, obviously simple, super simple. I mean, if you've got that content, the ad's pretty much done itself. It's easy. Run that on Facebook, run that on YouTube, run that anywhere that you can run a retargeting ad. You've got images. You can turn them into static ads for Google display network as well. Um, you know, you can do static image ads on Facebook, you know, but that's that's where they're super powerful. Yeah, I would remark it anywhere you can remark it. That was my idea. So I looked it up. I knew I remembered this question from somewhere. I don't think she's a listener, but Tiffany Para, if you end up listening to this, that's who uh, asked the question. Yeah, John gave all the right advice there. I, I don't know where else I would put it. Um, certainly, I would want to rank for product name reviews uh, on YouTube. I think that'd be cool. Even if you could mash up uh, multiple customers into, uh, yeah. reviews, one video, yeah. uh, you know, of course, you know, chuck yep. your, chuck your business on the front, chuck your business on the back and say real reviews from real customers. You know what I mean? Um, do everything you can to make sure you brand it as your business so that you, you know, the people who are deciding are coming back to your business and, uh, yeah, remarket the shit out of it. Yeah. And a lot of people know that, um, you know, YouTube, you've probably been hearing that YouTube's become a really big, uh, paid traffic channel for a lot of people, but a lot of people uh, in high ticket dropshipping steer away from it because they don't have any video content and they're not confident in getting videos made for their business so they can utilize it as a marketing channel. Well, reviews, video reviews by customers kind of shortcuts that for you, right? Because now you've got the content uh, and, and, and it's from you know third parties, so it's fantastic social proof. Yep, you need to give that to a video editor on Fiverr get it chopped up so it so it flows nicely. They put some captions on it, all that sort of stuff. 
uh, and you've got videos that you can now do your do marketing uh, target people who are interested in your products on YouTube. Super easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there's some people in, in our listening audience here who are doing a fantastic job collecting things like video reviews. So um, it's not actually that hard of a thing to do. Um, and it does open up a lot of extra fun little bits of marketing for you and, and a unique slant to your business and your marketing as well that that's different from what your competitors are putting out there. So definitely get stuck into it if you haven't uh, had a go at collecting video reviews yet. Well, that's all we got. Uh, normally we get bombarded with questions. You guys are quiet in the Facebook group, uh, even when we ask. So if you guys need help, reach out. Uh, I don't mind riffing on this stuff. And again, uh, if you have a specific problem for your business and you want to like let us know what your business is and like what pages are affected, uh, you know, you're getting $5 access to John and I's brain uh, to rip that apart and give you a bunch of ideas. So I would take advantage of that if I were you. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for the questions. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye.